Last time on Montreal Sauce. And now look at me. I'm doing a podcast and not wearing pants. Anyway, uh, speaking of music, uh, I just wanted to say I I, I was reading um, The Post about how Alan works, and I found out that he was a LeVar Burton fan. Oh, I am. Nice. I, I just wanted you to know, you probably already did know, but it totally threw me for a loop last night when I was watching really old videos and making a horrible playlist of music I listened to when I was younger. <laughs> um, uh, LeVar Burton is in the cameo Word Up video. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I, I love that video specifically for that reason. I think, oh man, I, I, he wasn't, he like the, the cop, like the bad yes. guy cop who was trying to shut the party down or something. Yes, he is. I was just like, I saw him and I was like, just out of the corner of my eye. Cause I was making like a YouTube playlist of like stuff I listened to. And I was yeah. just like, this is so much fun. I am having so much fun. I'm not getting any work done. And my wife is like, <laughs> what are you doing? And then she looked over and she's like, who is that? He's an actor, right? And I was like, yeah, he's an actor. I, uh, oh my goodness. That's LeVar Burton. And she's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then we were just like glued to the screen. Cause we were just like, is he going to dance? Like, cause all the police officers were eventually like taking off their clothes and dancing with everyone else. Yup. <laughs> it was great. Oh. It is. That was me. I remember the first time I saw that kind of later on enough to really know what was going on. And I'm, I'm just, I remember watching it and saying, oh, my God, that's LeVar Burton. <laughs> LeVar Burton's playing a cop, like a bad guy. That's really weird. It was I mean, obviously it's really weird to me. You know, I grew up watching him telling me about how great books were. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but but yeah, I I don't. You know, every, he's responsive enough on Twitter. At some point, I'm sure maybe he's probably sick of the question maybe, but <laughs> what made him want to do that? <laughs> like, Did they pay him a lot? Was he friends with Cameo? What was the deal? Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. Like yeah. Yeah. Like he likes books and men who wear card pieces. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> – what part of his career was that, do you think? Like, what what's the timing on that video? That was like, oh, is that like 83 or 86 or something maybe? Uh, yeah, I think it was 80, 80. It was before. It must have been just before uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, that's what yeah. I would have thought. That was – it was before – either it was 86 or just before 86. And yeah. that would put it right before that. Yeah, I don't even know what possessed me. I was just like, I feel like I want to listen to like some really old school stuff. And then I just started trying to remember names of like one hit wonder groups and things like <laughs> I was mainly getting mixed up in like 90s stuff because I went through that time <laughs> period where like I had to have a car that went boom. And so <laughs> I had to listen to like <laughs> DJ Magic Mike and things like oh, that yeah. so that I could be cool. And it was it was just crazy. Like my whole day was just like tore up as far as productivity because I was just like I was like watching a third bass video and uh I was like the the song was like give them the gas face and there's like all these other hip hop artists in that video who are like mugging and making the face and I was like, Oh, that's funny. And then there's a part where they like go into a studio to sign a record label with a record label and it's a very very young gilbert godfrey <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> i was like holy cow and then of course like in the side of youtube it's like hey you should totally check out it's tricky and i'm like oh my gosh penn and teller in that video i remember <laughs> <laughs> and they are so young yeah ridiculous. and this is when music videos are a thing yes they had yes. a good they had a good 20 25 years. Yeah. I mean they're still a thing. They're just all on YouTube now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I was thinking how like it's kind of intriguing because uh I was like, "Oh, this would make a good post if I took the time to write it." <laughs> the research is fun. Uh but it's interesting like how if if a movie is really um iconic, like we'll watch it and we won't get too lost in the fact that it's 20 years old and those people are wearing tube socks. <laughs> but but then, like, music videos are 
all about pop culture. So it's like when a celebrity is in them, they are in the mix of this pop culture. So they are also wearing parachute pants and they are, you know, like, yeah, it, it, I found it really cool. Like I was like, that's something we don't ask celebrities enough about when we're like on Reddit and uh, when we're on talk shows, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were great in that movie. But uh, what about that video you did for that little band called La Trim? No one knows about. <laughs> yeah. So um, I see. I do you recently, I think you were talking about uh, traveling. Do you have any more traveling coming up, Alan? Oh, no, I don't think so. I, you know, with, it's just been so wintry these past few months that I haven't even really <laughs> thought about it. But I think at some point the mothership is moving to a new office up in uh, New York City. So we were talking about getting the entire crew together to go see the new space. Though, but we don't know when that's going to be. So as far as I know, it could be delayed so far that it, we, I wind up never seeing it until the annual kind of holiday get together around the beginning of December where they bring everybody up and we all – have lots of meetings and try to get some work done and then have a big holiday party. And then the morning immediately thereafter, they ship our hangover selves back out to wherever <laughs> we came from. <laughs> but I mean, I would like to, I would like to do a little more travel last year. I got to go out to Budapest because um, a lot of ironically, something a lot of people don't know about kind of Gawker and Kinja and the blogging platform that we have and all of those other words that they like to toss around, uh, <laughs> is that a lot of our, our technical folks, a lot of our developers and everything are all are out in Budapest. And uh, I got the opportunity to go out there and, and meet a bunch of them. And, and I mean, that was just, a, I mean, it's a trip of a lifetime for one thing, yeah. but I mean, being able to go out there and, and I mean, yeah, I had to get some work done at the same time, but just being in such an old ancient city was reminiscent of my days living in Europe. I would really like to go back at some point if I could. Nice. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that they were out of Budapest. Yeah. We, there's, there's, I think part of it has to do with, you know, being a, a big independent media company that has one office in the States and one office someplace else for financial reasons. Sure, <laughs> but, sure. <laughs> but at the same time, um, the crew out there are all great. I mean, and they're super dedicated and I, I feel bad sometimes because, you know, we, we beat on this, this blogging platform that they built for us all the time. So we're uncovering all these <laughs> bugs and everything. And, I mean, you know, internally we're all, oh, this doesn't work and that doesn't work and oh, we should, we should let them know about this and all of them file these bug reports. And then, uh, then, you know, somebody will go out and, and say, hey, our team has all these concerns about the platform. And the look on their faces when they realize that, like, people don't love this thing is heartbreaking. <laughs> and, <laughs> The first time that happened, uh, I forget who it was who went out there and said, you know, they were really depressed that you guys don't love this. And we're all kind of in this chat room together and it's just dead silence for a while before somebody just says, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> because we didn't really, you know, when you realize that they're putting their kind of heart and soul into the work and you're just there just because you're a user, you're tearing it down all the time. Um, and boy, I could tell you stories about how grateful they are for my bug reports because I've worked in technology and I actually tell them information that's <laughs> useful to diagnose You're giving the them the right context, yes. Right, you know, and you know, I try different browsers and things and I send them more than an email that says stuff's broken, fix, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, they're they're just great guys and, and, um, and being able to just kind of have them lead us around town and tell us where to eat and everything – you know, that was just a wonderful, wonderful experience, especially our office um, in Budapest, which is also moving, is right next to a massive basilica. I mean, you just you, there's nothing kind of in a way more peaceful than, you know, work, work, work. And then, you know, the hour is struck because the bells in the, in the basilica are going off. It's just a really, really nice environment. But, yeah, I would love to go back. I don't know if I'm if by the time I get back there, they'll probably have moved out of that office and someplace else. But still, it's not like I couldn't always go back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm next to a basilica as well. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, next to as in it's really loud or next to as in it's not so loud? Uh, it's across the street, like Kitty Corner, so it's pretty loud. Pretty loud. <laughs> 
It's, uh, it seems like my wife, whenever she like wants to leave me the car and uh, cart her around on the weekends, it seems like she always like wants me to pick her up at the time when the basilica is letting everyone out. So oh I'm like, no, I can't, I can't go anywhere. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it is it's it is kind of nice like to just you know eventually I'll just be like working away, uh, slaving away in my office, and I'm like. Oh, I just need to get a little more done. I wonder, maybe, I don't know, get this done and then eat lunch. And then I'll hear like the bells go and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's lunchtime. Let's, let's stop now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those days that I'm like not hearing the bells. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's three o'clock. And I never ate lunch. This is really bad for diabetic me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Those <laughs> We had those days where everybody's working and suddenly, you know, the hours are passing and we don't hear the bells. I guess I guess the day's over. I guess oh man, look at the time. We should probably go back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. So uh it's a it's a loaded question because uh we're <laughs> we're all individuals and like different <laughs> things, but uh, I think it's fair to say you love cooking. And so oh, yeah. I was wondering um what do you think is like the most uh, useful thing in the kitchen that most of us are missing? Oh, the most useful thing that most people are missing. That yeah. is a good question. That's a really good question. I um, should have sent you that one ahead of time. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's a good one to answer off the cuff because, I mean, you, if I put too much thought into it, then I'm just going to come up with something arcane that maybe people just don't have. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess – my default always goes back to a really good sharp chef's knife. Um, but I don't know if that's the kind of thing that qualifies because, I mean, people who have a good sharp knife know they have one and people who don't either just don't have a sharp knife and they are trying to kind of saw their way through all of their meat, which is terrible. <laughs> no, you're um, right. But I guess the, the, something that everyone has that I think that people – you know, I would – I'd say the broiler. Because a broiler, I mean, almost everyone has one. If I mean, if you have a conventional oven, you probably it ha- probably has a broiler setting. And I don't know too many people who really use their broiler as well as they kind of could slash should. I know a lot of people who have toaster ovens, and toaster ovens are great. But if if you need to clear out that kitchen space, like I did not too long ago, if you get rid of your toaster oven, your broiler will work just as well as long as your place isn't as small as mine and it winds up heating the place up. But <laughs> But but it's a great – I mean it's a great way to brown just about anything. I mean you can – if I love to bake and I pretty much bake everything. I, in many cases, I'd rather bake than, um, than pan fry unless I'm obviously searing something and then I wind up baking it after that. But it's a great way to get a lot of color. It's a great way to get that re- really delicious Maillard effect on, on the tops of whatever you're making uh, without having to either take it out of the oven or um, – or go at it with a blowtorch or take something you've already cooked and then put it in a hot pan on top of your stove and run the risk of drying it out. Mm. So um, that's definitely a kitchen tool that I think more people should uh, should use. Uh, If I had to tell people something that I bet they have and are using but aren't using to their full potential, I'd 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 tell them uh, to take another good look at their slow cooker Uh, just because I – I know a lot of folks over at America's Test Kitchen and that came about because I started writing about so many food hacks at Lifehacker and they, you know, we talked a lot and they, you know, sent me kind of a pre-release version of the book that is out now. I think it's uh, called Slow Cooker Revolution. And when I flipped through it and realized that you can make things like a whole chicken in a, in a slow cooker, I mean a whole mm-hmm. chicken, I mean without, yep. you don't even have to cut the thing up. You just, just put the chicken in it <laughs> and, <laughs> and let it cook and it cooks and it's great. And, um, and I, I, we tried it and you no, know, you don't get that delicious crispy chicken skin that a lot of people really, really like. I like it. Um, but you don't get that. But you still get a roast chicken in a crock pot without ever really having to do anything with it. So um, there's a lot of power in a slow cooker that I think a lot of people don't really, don't really use or recognize. Yeah, I always find um, I got I have this uh, I was subscribed to this blog for a while that was like you know free Kindle books when I first got my Kindle, and uh, so one of the books that came up was uh, ridiculously titled like um, thirty 
30 easy, like slow cooker recipes for the busy woman. Um, <laughs> and so I picked that up cause I was like, I'm about to marry a busy woman. Uh, so <laughs> this will be handy. And, uh, and so, yeah, there was a lot of things in there that were – I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you could make it. It's kind of funny because I, I, I mentioned it to some coworkers once and I was like, well, yeah, there's this lasagna recipe that's pretty good. And they're like, well, why don't you just make lasagna in the oven? It's like the same difference. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. well, that's I think true. like I think like some people like with the slow cooker, they just sort of have this sort of like – you know, oh, then I have to prep everything and get it ready yeah. before I leave. And it's like, yeah, there's still prep involved. But <laughs> when you get home, yeah, ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't have to like prep it then, which is so great because then you're like, oh, I guess I should start making dinner. And after prep and after baking, it's like, oh, now it's 730. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah. And. I have to say toaster ovens, uh, me and toaster ovens were pretty tight for a very long time, but, uh, I noticed um, that's past tense. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing was, is I, I lived and died by the toaster oven for a long time. And when I moved to Canada, I was like, we are going to part ways friend because I have to pack too many other things. And my wife says she already has a toaster oven. Well, it was brand new. So isn't that cool? Um, but, uh, the problem is, is apparently she had a fire in her last one and that's why she got a new one and she didn't buy a very nice one like I had and, uh, I was being a snob, but it turns out like this one, you know, if there's some sort of little something or other that you're supposed to do and you're like, I'm just going to throw that in the toaster oven at 425, it's never going to be 425 again <laughs> nope. because it's like so thin and plastic <laughs> and yeah. Yep, that's absolutely true. That was one of one of the big problems with my toaster oven. It was either never got up to the right temperature or it was so scorchingly hot that it burned whatever I put in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's pretty much where this one is. Even like for toast. <laughs> like I'm just like <laughs> Are you serious? Like I can't put this in and like walk away because it will burn and it'll only burn, of course, like where the heating elements are. Yep. Like, you've got to rotate the toast around. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's supposed to be less effort, but it's really not. <laughs> no, that's exact. I mean, every time, you know, I, I for a while I was I would get like french fries or something and I'd have some and then put them in the fridge and french fries are notoriously awful reheated yeah. but but I'd find you know I'd just find a way to spice them up a little bit and put them in the toaster oven and and I'd try and I tried for years to try and dial it in so it would work and it never worked because the to- the, the french fries in the center were always just dry husks of starch And then the ones on the outside were kind of just gooey, warm husks of starch and it it just never worked out. But I kept trying and I never I never managed to get it to work right. Yeah, I I inherited the toaster oven that I had to part with, unfortunately, from my grandmother. And it was like a really nice like black black and decker one. And uh the knob had fallen off, so it was just a stick of metal sticking out that you would <laughs> tick up to turn it on and off. And um, But on the top, it had like the quote-unquote bun warmer, so you could just slide this thing back and put any buns there, and it would warm that while you were cooking whatever in the toaster oven. Yeah. And that became fabulous for just Chris is going to eat a sandwich right now. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And so then when I uh, moved here, I was like, I'm going to miss that function and then of course the white plastic shell of this particular toaster oven is brown on the top because it does in fact get that hot (laughs) it's just not a function that they advertise Uh, it's a feature not a bug chris yes yes if you want some plastic in there yeah go for it so do you have a uh a recommendation for a good uh crock pot slow cooker Oh, wow. So I have... You have have, a few. I know you have a few. I do. I have three slow cookers. um, And 
and before anybody's like, wow, that's a lot of, do you use them all? The answer is no. There's, there have been maybe I can count on one hand, the number of times that I've used all of them at the same time. Uh, and, and when I did use them all at the same time, it was great. Cause I would, I made soup in one and I make broth in another one. And then I don't know, I'd make another pot of broth in another one. That, that was really what it was. I, I kind of have my freezer half full of bones and carcasses and I just needed to chop some vegetables up and put it in the slow cooker and make something that's vaguely delicious from this wasted space. But uh, Crock-Pot, obviously being a brand name, uh, they, they, they actually – there is a good one that I, I think America's Test Kitchen really liked. Um, I can't remember the model number right now but, uh, but I know it's their official recommendation and it's not, it's not expensive either. A lot of, a lot of uh, slow cookers – you, you can hear me trying to toggle away from Crock-Pot. But, mm-hmm. yep. uh, but a lot of slow cookers come with lots of fancy uh, features like the digital temperature control and timers and lots of push-button affairs, which some of which are good. But by and large, the majority of them are, are added features that you don't really need. I mean a good slow cooker – is warm, low, high, and you generally don't use high anyway. If you have a timer on it, then bonus. You know, um, yeah. I have a I have a Cuisinart uh, I have a Cuisinart slow cooker that I've been using a lot lately. That's kind of it's big round thing with the 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 insert goes down into it. It has a little rack inside that. Um, mm. That you can use to elevate any other containers, which is perfect for um, Alton Brown's overnight oatmeal, which is a recipe I love to do in a in a slow cooker because all you have to do is put the oatmeal in it and fill it up with water, turn it on, leave it on overnight. By the time you wake up, uh, your oatmeal's done. It's warm. It's all you have to do is <laughs> add whatever you want to it, eat it, and walk out the door, or take it with you out the door, whatever you prefer. But uh, those, I guess, it's kind of the closest I would I would go to specific models. I know America's Test Kitchen's recommendation is a solid one, uh, but if anybody does find that Cuisinart that is a big rectangle with an oval insert that goes right down in the center of it, you'll know it when you see it, and it it works really well. <laughs> yeah, I always find that interesting too. I think I have an oval one, as, and so it's always like when I look at some of the recipes, I'm like, wow, this would be so much easier in a round one. And then other recipes, I'm like, thank goodness I have an oval one. Oval <laughs> one, yep. Yeah, that, that is a nice thing. My first, my first one is a big round one. The, the, the smaller one is an oval one. And then there's this one that's kind of a prism, I guess. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's there's sometimes like if you're baking that chicken, you want that to go in the round one because the oval one is going to be weird with hot spots on the sides and the bottom and everything. Uh, but if you're making a stew or a soup or something that takes up more space, then uh, an oval one is, is a bit more helpful. I really – Alan is always like you, – you are like the, uh, the definition of nice guy and I don't mean <laughs> that like mean. I just think like more people could do it and so – and I challenge myself to be nicer because it's so easy to be catty. But when you said <laughs> – uh, okay, before anyone goes crazy, because I said I have three slow cookers, I, w- I just really wanted you to say like something like, hey, I do a lot of potlucks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did more potlucks. <laughs> uh, that's your challenge for next week uh, because you do want to get out more is to just make something in the slow cooker and bring it with you to the coffee house. Oh, wow. You know, they would actually appreciate it and then ask me where I've been for the past year and a half. <laughs> oh. uh, so uh, the other thing I was reading uh, or reading in between the lines, um, are you uh, a bit of an anime fan? I am. Actually, you know, I when I talk about uh, and anybody, you know, if you follow me on Twitter or, or see uh, any of my kind of off the cuff uh, remarks about, you know, quote unquote, embarrassing hobbies, uh, anime is one of them. <laughs> and although I say embarrassing hobbies, I'm not exactly embarrassed about it, but uh, it's one of those hobbies that somebody would traditionally be like, oh, really? That's I wouldn't have expected that from you. Well, yes. Yeah, that's me. I watch <laughs> anime like some people watch television. Uh, like most people will sit down and say, oh, I'm going to watch the new 
scandal or, oh, wow, Game of Thrones is back on. And I have watched none of those programs because I have a Crunchyroll subscription and <laughs> there's enough <laughs> there to keep me I – mean, and the fact that they keep adding things that are airing in Japan or by season, uh, there's enough there that – I have other things. I had to consciously stop to do a Star Trek original movie marathon this weekend uh, because, you know, obviously um, Leonard Nimoy passed and yep. you know, yep. we were all really sad about that. And we said, you know, we, let's sit down and watch all of the Star Trek or the, all the original cast uh, Star Trek movies. So we did that. And um, including the first motion picture. Indeed. Which. Wow. I, I actually like that movie. It's <laughs> it's so it's it's so Roddenberry. You know what? He's really good in that one too. Nimoy is really <laughs> yeah. good in that one. It's true. I mean, but I mean, yeah, I understand why, you know, a lot of people hate that movie and I mean, I say, "Yes, I understand, but it's not as bad as The Final Frontier." But <laughs> <laughs> but but um, and the plot, you know, the plot was. I thought the plot was witty. You know, the whole V'ger thing, and, and yeah. granted, it didn't necessarily yeah. warrant two and a half hours. Right. Which, That's what's wrong. With, really, is the pacing. It's trying to be yeah. two thousand and one, a space odyssey, and exactly. it just isn't. So exactly. Now, and granted, we we did get like what ten or fifteen straight minutes of Enterprise kind of just ship shots. Yeah. Near yeah. the beginning, which is great. You know, it's just wonderful from a Star Trek fans perspective, but from a movie fans perspective, it's not that great. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like that, that, that movie does struggle a little bit for people, but I do, in fact, I do love like the effects and stuff. That's yeah. just beautiful. The things that are on the screen. Yeah. All the pretty colors. <laughs> <laughs> but, so we but, yeah. were interrupting you about to get back into your anime. Oh, no. Well, I was really just going to say I have, I have this Crunchyroll subscription and I watch all of these really odd series. And I mean, I, I, some people – I mean, granted, you will never – and I don't want to give anybody the wrong impression. You will never learn another language purely by watching um, mm -hmm. watching the media, especially in this case. You'll never learn Japanese just by watching anime. But I, I, you know, I do find myself every now and again if I'm eating and watching something, I'll be paying attention to my food and I look up and I'm kind of like, wow, I actually kind of followed along with what happened there in the past however many you know minutes it's been mm -hmm. since I read the subtitles. But so I do. I watch a lot. I watch a lot of anime. Um, and, and personally, I think it's, you know, it's, it's fun because it's, I mean, I can find I can find a slice of life that's funny and kind of a rom-com kind of thing if I'm in that mood or I can find something dramatic and kind of action packed if I want that mood. There's just a breadth of, uh, of genres to explore, which I like. Yeah. And that's I, I was so hesitant when I was like, oh, I would like to ask him about that. But yeah, like anime now, like that, that word, like you said, sort of has that connotation of mm -hmm. like, oh, boy, this guy's on the fringe. But, yeah. <laughs> but then at the same time, it doesn't cover like like you just said, there's so many varieties of anime. So <laughs> like to say I like anime is being very generic. I like yeah. movies. Right. Exactly. Like, so. Yeah, I talked to a friend of mine who was like, well, I don't really get anime. And I'm like, well, that's kind of like saying I don't get comic books or I don't get <laughs> movies, right? Right, yeah. I mean, it's a media, not a genre. But you you, uh, you float through all the genres of anime, I see, <laughs> I huh? For the most part, um, you know, actually – I'm trying to think of some of the standard kind of tropes in, in, um, in anime that I don't enjoy. And I can't really, I can't really think of it. <laughs> there are some I like better than others, but I mean, there, there isn't anything that's terribly awful, I suppose. Well, the, it depends. Like, I feel like, you know, some of them, it's just like any other kind of media. Like, yeah. you know, if you're going to watch a uh, quote unquote horror comedy, if it has too much comedy and not oh, enough yeah. horror for you, well then that's a bummer. And for me, like I can, I love anime. Um, but I think there's like I get scared. I think there's like so much of it out there that like uh, I don't know which ones to watch. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I need a guide. But for me, like the trope thing that kind of gets me sometimes is when there's too much of like the 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 silliness with like mm -hmm. the bug eyes and the bulging forehead and the, ah, <laughs> ah, you know, like, yeah, I'm totally fine with that if they do that like two or three times, like in a, you know, in a 
an hour one or something like that. But, you know, if it's like every five seconds, like someone walks into the room and says, what's that in your hand? And they're like, ah, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) No, I completely understand. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and I don't want to like the other thing, I don't want to give the impression that I've never seen an anime that I haven't liked. I have seen many, many that were just awful, (laughs) just (laughs) terrible. So, uh, and, and I've, I, you know, I, I get into a little trouble with some of my friends who also like anime to, to this extent because, you know, I'm the pioneer of the rule that, listen, just because you like anime uh, doesn't mean that just because it came from Japan makes it good. Mm. That's not true. <laughs> it's just like I was saying, it's just like any other media. Uh, you can, there are great movies, there are masterpieces, there yeah. are entertaining things that are bad, but you're there entertaining. And then there's just, absolute this did not cohese this this didn't work why am i watching this i'm going to turn this off now so uh it's all over the place yeah there there i think that like for me some of the tropes that i can't really uh get behind like you said are are kind of a, a story that sets the tone in one way and then kind of runs off to do something different uh i i'm trying to think of a really good example but um there's what was I watching that I'm looking over at my DVDs right now? <laughs> but, um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, noir is, um, a series that, that is kind of old at this point, I guess, in mid, mid to late nineties, I suppose. Um, that was kind of a vaguely spy thrillery kind of thing, you know, uh, uh, an assassin and a girl who loses her memory, try and figure out what her past is and all that stuff. That's a fairly common trope in and of itself. But eventually it, it kind of devolves into kind of an amnesia thriller instead of a spy thriller. Uh, and it took me through – it threw me for a loop when it did that, uh, mostly because I think it got kind of lazy and gave me a lot of flashbacks, which mm. of course is stuff we'd seen in previous episodes. So that saves money. Mm. But, but it just didn't cash in on the on the premise of being kind of a spy thriller. I wanted I wanted kind of cloak and dagger machinations behind the scenes and things. And ultimately, I think it became just another kind of I forgot myself because I was through I went through something that was so traumatic that I forgot everything kind of story, which wasn't really what you know I was hoping for. But yeah, I, I've seen plenty of things that did not live up to their promise. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. I I would say my I have a pretty limited expo- amount of exposure to anime, um, mostly pro- probably because I just haven't found uh, the thing that's kind of hooked me to explore the genre, the the whole media, as you mm-hmm. say, a little bit more. Um, but what I have seen, I mean, I've seen a couple of the features from um studio ghibli which are of course amazing um and then i have seen uh, a decent amount of ghost in the shell but not all of it um which uh which i did enjoy but like i said it didn't like it didn't hook me quite enough like that it's one of those things where i still feel like because it is it is culturally very different. The pacing feels very different. So yeah. I, I just haven't adapted to it to get into it a little bit more. But, you know, that's one thing that about the one thing about a lot of series is that uh, in a way I love it, but in a way I know that it wouldn't appeal to a lot of people because there is that cultural difference uh, with a, remember back in the 90s and I guess in the 2000s, too, when a lot of uh, great TV shows were more or less kind of monster of the week serials. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like Stargate SG-1 is a great example uh, where, you know, you have this overarching storyline, but every episode is kind of a different self-contained adventure. Yep. And uh, and most series that are especially that run for 12 or 26 episodes kind of follow that same kind of pattern where each episode is its own self-contained adventure. And maybe there's some touches to the the overarching story that connect, kind of connects the start and the finish. And you can always tell a good series uh, or a bad one for that matter <laughs> um, if, if they really do kind of try to make that thread consistent or they it's episode nine and it, it, you, you're watching it and you seriously say, oh, I guess they remember that there's supposed to be a plot here. I guess things are going to start <laughs> happening right. now. And the it, it, a lot of a lot of stories fall to that that same that same kind of trope where you're it's monster of the week, monster of the week, monster of the oh man, things are getting serious now because it's going to be over in two episodes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the uh, what's the one that was uh, a Full Metal Alchemist is kind of like that, mm-hmm. like 
monster, monster, monster. Oh yeah, here's some bit of the story about how yeah. we can get yeah. That's the thing. I, I liked Full Metal Alchemist, but I mean, part of it was because um, it was I got to see it on TV on cable. I didn't have to you know stream it or anything at the time. And uh, it, I mean, Cartoon Network aired it for goodness sake. But right, but yeah. I mean, and that series is so long. I think it's like yes. two two twenty six episode seasons and. Pacing wise, it just drags and drags and you you get your cliffhangers at the end of most episodes, but man, it just takes forever to do anything. I mean, that's, I think that was one of the reasons why they went ahead and made the um, the remake more or less like right after the series uh, ended. They made uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which was supposed to be more true to the source material. Um, but then the, even that started to drag because they had to introduce all of the characters that didn't exist in the first run around. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a toss up. That's good. Like, uh, I, like you, I watched that when it was on television and now mm-hmm. that I've cut a cable and I saw them not too long ago on Netflix and I was like, Oh, I should watch these again. And I just never got into <laughs> it. Um, but then I was really confused. I was like, I don't remember it being called Brotherhood. Is this right. like a different series? <laughs> yeah, they, there was. They took the one. It's it's darker than the first one, which is nice. But yeah, they introduce a ton more characters. It's and the, the diff, different kind of storylines and sub storylines. So if it was too shallow before, it's deeper now. But it still just drags on. Not to say it's not good. I know, and a lot of people are really into it. <laughs> a lot of have people. You, that's one of those series that people are really rabid about. Have you seen? Um, oh, what was? It? Oh, I, I managed to one day <laughs> while I was working um, drop in a couple of uh, the Marvel universe anime <laughs> like an anime <laughs> studio did those have you seen those oh i have i mean i haven't that's no i'm not watching it regularly but i love i love those things i love the way that every now and again you'll get like a cartoon like um like you know the i it, i think you're you might be talking are you talking about the disc wars the one with the kids and the and all the you know obviously there's all the marvel superheroes but they're essentially in these little discs that they have to collect it's like pokemon the avengers style it's uh yeah. there there's that there's another one that was just um there's another one that was interpreted you know kind of it's a it's a marvel cartoon just it's an anime um i love the way that those characters and stories kind of get translated yeah it's just really interesting to watch even if it's not good it's just really interesting to watch how they do <laughs> Yes, the uh, I was talking about. I saw, I think I saw two of them, but maybe it was only one because that's all I could do. But the the feature length, um, oh yeah, animes like I think there's like one. The one is like um, Iron Man something fancy word like techno mm-hmm. something. Oh but yeah, it is so crazy. Like it's <laughs> it's like. Okay, yeah, he's totally Iron Man. It's cool. Wait, the villain is like a traditional anime villain, right? Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. He is introspective. He is like, <laughs> he has got some weird powers that you have never seen before. And yeah. Yep. It, yeah. But you're right. A- like the take on the characters is awesome to see like what someone else has come up with. Yeah. I, I, I do remember that. I didn't see that one, um, but I remember reading about it. It was like the Technovorm or something, the guy who feeds off of technology yep. or something yep. like that. Yeah. Oh, man. that I remember watching trailers for it, and I – aside from the the very – the kind of awkward mindset you're in when you see like Iron Man translated into this very kind of – uh, stylistic anime style, right? Where you know action sequences are jumping around and there's lots of flashy effects and things. Uh, it's just, I know that in so many of these cases it has to be relevant to a Japanese audience because obviously that's where the money is and that's who's really watching. Uh, and you know they can export it back to us, but it wasn't made for us specifically. So you do see those tropes crawl in there, right? That 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 extremely extremely intelligent but also kind of conflicted evil genius person who has an ability that wouldn't exist in the marvel universe or anything like that it's it's hilarious to look at um the series that i was i was talking about um i think it's just called marvel disc wars is essentially the avengers pokemon right they um all of the avengers have been captured and they're in these little 
cards and the cards are just are everywhere or they're some event distributes them and essentially it's up to these kids to collect the cards and the kids like one kid has Iron Man and Iron Man is like his little Pikachu and he's pops out of his car and he (laughs) hangs around and he's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to, okay, hey, Iron Man, go beat up that bad guy. And of course, for some reason, Tony Stark is like, yep, all right, kid, I'm going to go beat up that bad guy because you asked me to. It just doesn't make (laughs) sense. But, but I mean, it's, it's been running for ages. So, or not ages, but it's at least been running for a year. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. I uh my friend, he's like a tremendous uh Marvel fan. Well, comic book fan. He's with age, he's gotten a little more <laughs> broad in his spectrum. Um but he uh he the other day because uh, I work with him, he sent me this link and he's like, You you gotta check this out because he knows I, I really enjoy um I have specifically watch like bad movies or bad TV. So I don't have to pay attention to them while I'm editing images. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so he sent me and I think it was on Marvel's website and it was like, Marvel has procured and translated some of these. Uh, I think they might've been live action Japanese Spider-Man. It's a, Oh yeah. And the Japanese Spider-Man. He's a classic. <laughs> yes. That was so fascinating, like the the planet Spideron or something like that. Yeah. Is, like the origin story is like so far removed from Spider-Man. Like when he gets his costume, you're just like, no, I'm not watching this show, am I? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yup. Yeah, Spider-Man has a giant mech. Like yes. every good, every good Sentai superhero show in Japan, you know, when, t- when the going gets tough and he can't beat up the bad guy, the bad guy calls in a big monster. So what does he do? He gets in his giant mech and beats him up because <laughs> Spider-Man. Because <laughs> spider right. And he has the coolest motorcycle that just happens to look like the Spider-Man look, logo. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. The first yeah. time when he changes into his costume, it's like because he has this like giant, like you will never see any kind of obnoxious watch bigger than this <laughs> on his wrist. <laughs> and the costume like flies out of there and then it's automatically on him. And I was just like, that is like so interesting just from the fact that like I grew up watching Wonder Woman and she would spin around and magically she was in her costume and that's never explained anywhere. Like, <laughs> And at least his is like, you know, OK, I don't know how he gets the costume back in there. It might take a while like, packing a parachute, but yeah, at least he has a mechanism for it. Right. <laughs> right. I can totally get behind this. <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, I you know, if you remember the you remember the Power Rangers uh, cartoons from the from the night or not cartoons, but obviously the Power yeah. Rangers yep. you know TV show um, is just, that's part of this genre uh, of unique. I mean, very unique Japanese kind of approach to superheroes that I just. I mean, obviously, other than being super popular, and one of them, uh, Common Rider, is still running in Japan and has been running since the '60s in different forms, wow. and fashions. Yeah, uh, this the genre, the Sentai genre, you know, costumed superheroes, and usually a superhero team. Um, it's not really my thing because I mean, I can watch it, and I, I mean, I, I thought Power Rangers was the best comedy that was on after school. When I mean, <laughs> you know, like I'd walk in from, I'd walk in from class or whatever, and and my dad would be watching it, and he'd be laughing, and I said, Dad, I, I think this is supposed to be serious, and he's like, No, 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 sit down, this is great, <laughs> <laughs> and we just laugh. We just, it, it was it, when you look at it in that regard, it, it's it's just funny, but. Yeah, at some point, um, I guess they just got the rights or they bought the rights uh, to Spider-Man and said, well, how do we make this interesting and relevant to a Japanese audience? I mean, they're not going to really be interested in a dude who got bit by a radioactive spider. What do we do? Oh, let's turn him into a let's turn him into essentially a Power Ranger. Let's turn him into a common Rider. Let's turn him into a Sentai superhero. He's going to get a big old watch or a belt or or something and he's going to make a strike an awesome pose and then suddenly he's in his costume and now he's ready to fight evil. It's going to be great. And it was. I mean, honestly, I it's one of those things I tell everybody uh once it once when Marvel did translate and put him on their website, I said, "Okay, everybody, you need to go at least watch one episode of this because it's amazing." <laughs> it's just it's you're going to you're going to laugh, 
but it's just amazing. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly like you said. It's amazing. <laughs> and uh, it's a cultural thing. It's just like, oh, maybe this is how Spider-Man came to be. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that will be the next uh, live action interpretation of Spider-Man <laughs> in the motion picture. <laughs> now that they've got the, the rights back. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That would throw everyone for a loop and it'd be <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like all the... All of uh, all the Transformer fans who are like, wait, why do they look like giant robotic insects? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. This is for you. <laughs> I remember. Oh, Have, did you see the? Uh, this was going around the internet recently. The um, the gritty reboot trailer for Power Rangers. Yeah, that was really really good. I thought that was really good. Too. It was really Very well dark. done. Dark. Yeah. It was a shame that uh, Saban uh, tried to get it shut down so fast. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I don't know if you can still, I'm sure, I'm sure it's, I mean, once something's on YouTube, it doesn't ever leave YouTube. <laughs> right. but, so it, somebody's got this video. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I know that, I know that they're working on their own reboot and they're planning on doing their own new Power Rangers sure. thing at some point. Yeah. But man, this was just such a, it was such a great kind of almost, I mean, and I don't say this cause, just because Katie Sackhoff was in it, but it's this very kind of Battlestar Galactica kind of dark yep. kind of re- reboot or just kind of new perspective on that, that old story. It was just amazing. It's amazing. And full of little treats for people who did watch the show. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yeah, I it's crazy because um, prior to the days of uh, – uh, USA up all night with Gilbert Gottfried or <laughs> what was it? Friday night was Rhonda Shear. Uh, bef- before both of them, like USA, the, that TV station at night used to just be like, um, here is uh, a Kung Fu movie that we've redubbed funny. Yeah. Um, and I remember like on some show, like around that time, there was – I swear they were Power Rangers, but it was way, you know, this is like the late 80s. So (laughs) the Power Rangers didn't yet exist here in the States as a TV show. So I swear they had even overdubbed some of those episodes, too, before they became the Power Rangers. And so when the Power Rangers came out, I was like, but I've seen this and it was funny and it wasn't (laughs) teenagers, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't be surprised at all, man. I remember those. I remember those movies. Yeah, it was. I, I, I just had. It's like so strange, like because we have so many like problems, like with our remix culture these days, thanks to the internet and copyright. That I just can't imagine, like those days where they were just like, "Hey, can we buy your movies?" And show them in the U.S. and like companies were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then mm-hmm. they would just like redub them, like and write a whole new script, you know, and make it silly. Like I can't imagine that happening today. Right? No, not so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Power Rangers reboot. That'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't even know what it would wind up looking like unless they just decide to kind of redo the source, the redo the the American material with new graphics. I I can't. I mean, I can't imagine they're going to do anything darker or grittier or more interesting. Right. I feel yeah. like it, it's a property that existed for kids. That I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, right. I mean, it, at that point, it's kind of like the uh, whole like Batman and Robin controversy where it's just right. a medium to sell the toy, not to be a good show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you run into to that kind of an issue for sure. So, uh, so you don't so that's your because you're you're not uh, a cable user either, right? You've cut the cable. I have cut the cable. Yep. So uh, Crunchyroll is your sort of go-to for entertainment for the most part? Well, Crunchyroll, Hulu, Netflix, um, YouTube. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the nice thing about living uh, in D.C. is over there's so much over-the-air television. And, I mean, I put up a little over-the-air antenna and part of living in such an international city means I get tons of channels that are huh. probably being broadcast by embassies. But like I can sit down and watch uh, CCTV, which is like the Chinese state news 
channel and NHK, which is a Japanese state news channel, or RT or Russia Television, which is supposedly press, but they're also state-run news channel. And <laughs> I mean, not that you know, I don't have a problem with RT. They're they're great if you know you're looking for an alternative viewpoint in news, which is you know always a good thing to have. But <laughs> uh, but you know they they have their they have their talking points like every all of those other channels that I mentioned. Like NHK tends to uh, focus really heavily on look at how wonderful and beautiful Japan is and you should come visit. And here's a special about Fukushima and everything's fine now. Everything's great. Look at how wonderful it is. <laughs> and I mean then of course you know I could you know tr- one trip around the internet says hey things aren't as great as everybody wants you to think. There's still right. a lot of work to be done here. Right. So stuff like that. But. Uh, yeah, there's so much over-the-air television. Uh, but when I'm not you know, watching that or the reception is really bad because that still happens with over-the-air TV, um, it's pretty much streaming streaming only. I've been thinking about getting that uh, Sling TV that has like Cartoon Network and HGTV and I mean another secret about Lifehacker, about Team Lifehacker. We're all just nerds for HGTV. <laughs> but <laughs> it comes with the DIY spirit, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we've been think- I've been thinking about subscribing to that. Uh, see, we, we, uh, we cut the cable here, uh, when I moved here and then, you know, it's one of those things where the internet comes through the broadband company, so they can't cut all the channels. So you just have to Uh, tell your TV to find like the six channels you get. Right. And one of them was like the, for the longest time. And I think they changed their lineup. So it changed, but was the Canadian version of, uh, HDTV. And so I totally became like HD TV'd out for a while. I was like, oh, oh I can't watch this anymore. I don't want to build any more decks. <laughs> <laughs> we are so done with this, you know, because it's so funny how you end up like when you cut the cord and then when you end up sort of at TV again, you're always at TV at the same time. So it's like yeah. always the deck building show. That's true. It's like, That's- no, no, I don't want to watch this right now. <laughs> yeah. At this point, the only time I really get to see too much cable is if I'm, you know, when I go down to the gym, there's TVs on down there. And if I'm lucky enough to be one of the few people in there or the only person in there and I turn on the TV, you're not missing terribly much because networks like HTTV or Food Network or whatever, they tend to, at this point, during the day, when it's not prime time and they're running their flagship shows, they just run a marathon of one program. Yep. So I turn to HTTV and it's just three hours of House Hunters or like Love It or Listed or one program. Yep, yep. I, that's just nightmarish. It's not television. It feels like a DVR. <laughs> right. And now yeah. you can find all of the, you know, reruns of all of those shows on Netflix. So if you really wanted a yeah. marathon, you could just turn it on and hit play all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, uh, and the old TNT trick, like, look, we've made our own show or our own movie. You should totally check this out. Okay, and then like immediately as it ends and they do the, hey, we don't really have any respect for the creators, so we're going to put the credits really fast and small in the corner. <laughs> we're also going to start the same show or movie over again. Over again, <laughs> yep. Know, like, <laughs> wait, like, good point. I shouldn't sit at the TV for more than an hour and a half. Thank you, TNT. But also, you're just going to play this movie like six times because you just finished it. <laughs> yep. And you're really happy about that. Yeah. Yep. And they yeah. wonder why we're all cutting our cable. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Too true. And I suppose, uh, oh, before I, I start cutting us off, I did want to say um, I wanted to help Alan because he came on the show for us. So I um, I recently heard you, uh, I think it was last week on uh, Supercharged, um, 5by5.tv slash Supercharged, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, – you are having problems shopping for groceries. You just don't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, the love is gone. I used to love grocery shopping, and now it's just a hassle. Yeah, I can I can only tell you what I like and what my advice is, and it's uh, it sounds sort of backwards when I think about it. But um, part of my moving to a larger city issue was. Um, and probably being out in the West, which is so ridiculous to say in this day and age, but I still feel like I'm a cowboy at times, um, 
is because like certain stores here don't carry certain things and other ones do. So it's like, I cannot do my shopping like at a huge, like heaven forbid Walmart or Mm -hmm. back in Michigan, it's Myers. Um, so it's like, I can't just go to one place and get everything. So now I'm having to go to all these places. And in all honesty, it's kind of like refreshed my grocery shopping because I probably gamified a little bit. Like I'm oh. going to go here. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. Like, Oh, so that's I, yeah. So I sort of gamify it. And then the other thing I was going to tell you is, um, I've really been embracing Chris's artistic side. And with that, I, since I enjoy baking more than cooking, but uh, I enjoy cooking, it gets kind of hard to like try to find things that I can make easily and regularly. I love experimenting, but I've got to work. And um, <laughs> so I don't have time to experiment. I just need to make something so that my wife and I can have dinner and she's a vegetarian, which makes it even harder. But uh, so... <laughs> So going to the store and like doing one big shop like I used to do um, hasn't been working. So like I said, I'm embracing artistic Chris and I've just been like, you know what? I've got something for tomorrow and maybe the next day, but I don't have anything for the rest of the week because I don't know what my mood will be. Maybe I'll want mac and cheese or something. And so I don't have a big pantry here. So I end up like shopping like every other day which like I said sounds backwards and ridiculous to be productive but it also gets me out of my office and on the street you know like oh wow actually that's a great idea it could solve a bunch (laughs) it solve a bunch of my issues in one (laughs) yeah and so that's my new thing now like I'm just like Oh, yeah. Like when I'm at the store, you get into that dangerous like, uh oh, Chris is off list and he's buying pretzels. And, you know, like like I don't usually do that, but there are times and then I'm like, no, no, I got to get back because I need to get back so I can do X, Y and Z on my list. But it's so good to get like out and exercise and out of this chair. (laughs) Yeah. My back loves me, but also I think it does help. Like I'm enjoying grocery shopping because it's like, yay, I'm not in the office. Office. (laughs) There's a brand new chip that I can't eat because I'm diabetic. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was my advice for you when I heard you say that. (laughs) Thank you. No, I I actually, you know, one, I hadn't thought about, I hadn't thought about gamifying it like that. I like that a lot. But yeah, you know, I do find my moods fluctuate pretty quickly, you know, I mean, and part of it is because I just use Instagram for pictures of cute animals and food, you know, not me (laughs) posting. These are just the people I follow. So, so uh, I wind up getting inspired pretty often. So uh, I think that'll actually help. Yeah, that's that's my thing, too, is I sometimes I'm like I have like everything in the fridge and it's ready to go. And even my wife is like, you know, honey, if you can make the like, you know, the big soup or something on Monday, then I can pack it my lunch later in the week. And then Monday comes around and I'm like, I'm feeling shepherd's pie. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I don't have anything to take to work. And I was like, you don't have time for lunch at work. Don't kid yourself. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) She's a teacher. So, um, but anyway, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's my, my, uh, poultry gift to you. (laughs) (laughs) Some small advice. Uh, but, uh, thanks for joining us, um, and making time. It it was a real pleasure. Oh, of Uh, course. Thanks for having me on. Before, uh, we, you sign off, do you have anything you want to plug Tell listeners where they can find you? That kind of thing. Uh, well, I'm at lifehacker.com. Obviously, you can find my articles there. Um, you know, comment and things, and I will obviously I'll respond because part one that's my job, and two I enjoy doing it. Um, <laughs> but if you want to actually talk to me, find me on Twitter at twitter.com/slash/halophoenix. Uh, talk to me there. I talk back because I love Twitter and I talk to people there all the time. Uh, and so until at least it gets me in trouble. So sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and hey, I am. I have to, I wanted to say, Chris, that's wrong. Don't, don't look up Chris on Twitter because that's not me. It's probably a delightful person, but it's not me. I am at sick days on Twitter as I K K D A Y S and also cupcake dot is if you know what that is. Um, you can find me there and I will chat with you or you can see what I'm up to on my new landing page that I made on someday, uh, sick days dot me. Nice. 
Nice. I am also on Twitter. I am at Paul D. I got one of those rare five-letter handles uh, <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, you can also find me at my blog, com slash blog. Boom. Hey, next week, uh, if you're still awake, hi, Mom. Uh, next week, Paul <laughs> and I are back, but it's no sauce. Frowny face. Oh, see what I did there? Next Thursday is uh, my favorite bad movie podcast, Film Frown, with me and Paul. Uh, we'll be live at uh, 9 East, 8 Central, 7 Mountain, all that kind of jazz, with our friends Dan and Sally uh, to talk about the 1968 film Skidoo. Uh, the New York Times called it a finely controlled mess, one of the most uncomfortably evocative films of its time. <laughs> That's what I call research. Boom. Uh, nice. It's like I'm a pro at this or something. Uh, so we'll see you back on Thursday. Um, and thanks so much for listening. Um, Paul and I do this because we love it. Um, so, And if you have ideas or questions, hunt us down on Twitter or tweet at Montreal Sauce, all one word. And we will most likely respond because like Alan, we just don't leave our offices enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I have to end with my uh, cheesy sign-off that I just made up last week. So um, we'll just end with uh, that. And now that I've just given you all that build-up, ridiculous. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> good night. Uh, thanks again. And remember, if life gives you potatoes, make poutine.